Welcome to the Shock Your Potential podcast with your host, Michael Sherlock. We all have potential, but sometimes we need inspiration to get us to our peak performance. Whether you are starting out in your career, ready to move up the corporate ladder, or taking the leap into entrepreneurship, Michael's guests provide powerful tools and resources to shock your potential. Shock Your Potential is a global professional development training company committed to your unique journey. Learn more about us today at shockyourpotential.com and download our free Shock Your Potential app today. Listen in to today's expert. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Shock Your Potential. I am, of course, your host, Michael Sherlock. And as you know, all month long, we are talking about love. It's the love month, but not just love like, oh, do we just have other people to love, but love because if we treat each other with love, our businesses will be better. Our personal lives will be better. And all together, we can kumbaya and make this place a better world. (laughs) (laughs) And my guest is already laughing. And when you see the video version, you'll notice the sign behind her says, be kind. But Diana Freik believes that business should be a force for good. Yes. Imagine that that follows right along with our theme. She uses her networking superpowers to drive change in the food, beverage, and wellness industries, specifically in the areas of employment diversity, food equality, and the promotion of sustainable supply chain, which I know a little bit about, strangely enough. She founded founded and hosts the Gooder podcast, where she interviews the powerhouse women leading on every level in food, beverage, and wellness. And she is a marketing industry executive with over 20 years of advising brands from Fortune 50 to startups on how to address their toughest growth challenges, which we talk about often here. Mm -hmm. As a partner and CMO of creative branding firm Retail Voodoo. Diana also uses her expertise in brand development, innovation, consumer markets, marketing, and packaging systems. I think she knows a lot of stuff about a lot of things to help her clients generate meaningful and sustainable growth. So thank you so much for joining me today, Diana. Thank you. Really wonderful to be here today. Um, It's Friday. I don't know when people will be listening, but right now it's Friday. (laughs) It's definitely Friday. Absolutely. And as we were talking before we started taping, it was a long week. It's, I can't, I'm not even sure I really realize it's Friday yet. It's been a crazy one. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm ready for the weekend for sure. (laughs) You have such an incredible, really specific background. And I was so excited to interview you because it's something different than we haven't had as a guest. Mm. So tell me, tell us a little bit more about you, your business and how you help your clients to shock their potential. Okay. Well, um, so my business partner and I, we own a brand development firm called Retail Voodoo. Um, We focus on products um, in the CPG space, mostly food and beverage, wellness and fitness, specifically in naturals and better for you. And that kind of came about um, in 2011. So my business partner, David, and I have been working together since 2006. And during the Great Recession, things got really, really lean. Um, Mm. We took a break. Uh, The business took a break for about a year while we figured out what we were going to do. And uh, David came back and said, okay, I'm ready to do this thing. Um, Do you want to join me? And I said, sure. But if we're going to um, rebuild the agency, I'd like it to be a little bit more specific. 
I mm. personally do not, did not want to work for a brand development firm that simply made money for companies that only wanted to make money. So the time it was very important for me to find those brands that were contributing in a different way. They were either um, giving money away or they were building newer and healthier ways of doing things. And we were both experiencing um, health problems in our family. I've been a almost a lifelong organic naturals kind of consumer and the industry was not what it is today. It was still kind of yeah. growing and burgeoning and um, not quite there, not definitely not where it is now. And we both said, we really like what's happening with naturals. Let's take our experience working with the Walmarts and the PepsiCo's of the world and take that experience and help these brands grow so that they can have a bigger impact on the community. Let's get rid of Cheetos. Let's get, what I mean, let's get rid of Oreos now. Nothing wrong with them, but you can't have them every day, right? Right. So, so, um, so that was kind of uh, where we were about 10 years ago. And now the industry has exploded and we are helping the PepsiCo's of the world because they are now seeing that they need to be making better products for people mm. on the planet. And so we're working with, now we're working with those companies all over again, but in a completely different way, targeting a different kind of consumer. And um, so that's what we do every day. And, and the podcast really came out of an observation that I started noticing is as the naturals industry started to evolve, it's become a little bit Hollywood-fied. Is that a word? I'm making it a word right now. And I like it. You should add that to the dictionary. Okay. And I started looking around and I'm, and I'm noticing that the naturals industry where our strength is about figuring out the best food to eat and the right type of way to live our lives, to live our longest and best lives, has been focused predominantly on upper middle class and subsequently Caucasian audiences. Mm -hmm. People who can afford to buy premium, who are already educated about health. And so in my mind, I said, and, and predominantly still male driven from a leadership perspective. Mm -hmm. And I thought, how, how are we going to take all of this expertise that we have and point it at a whole group of people that really need this help. They don't know how to eat better or they don't want to because kale chips don't sound great the first, if you've never had them, let's be honest. Kombucha, really? Homemade mm. and then, yeah, then they're really good. Yes. So I created the podcast as a visibility platform to just kind of raise the visibility of women um, in really doubling down on diversity because I think the reason why we don't see the leadership is because we're not talking to that audience. And then if you can't see it, you can't be it. So this is big cyclical thing that, mm -hmm. and so I thought, okay, well, I'm committing to 50% or more uh, of my guests being um, either women of color, LGBTQ or disabled, not to talk about the fact that they are who they are, but just show them in a leadership capacity so that it becomes normalized. Yeah, I like that. It's, um, I, you know, so many things that you said there really strike not only to the heart of this theme this month, but I think really to the desire for all of us to, to continue to become more human with each other. Yeah. yeah. And, and I love how you said, 
too, that you were very clear that when you came back at this business, that you wanted very conscientiously to go to a more streamlined approach. You wanted to dive down deeper mm-hmm. and really work with people that um, you felt were having meaningful change and impact on the world. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's really, going to be scary too, because the, the PepsiCo's of the world, you know, sometimes those checks are pretty appealing. It's great that you're working with them again too, but yeah. you know, that, that is, you know, that's a real labor of love to go to some of those companies that need to know how to scale and work with some bigger partners, but, you know, maybe don't have the experience mm-hmm. or, or the opportunity. Mm-hmm. 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 Well, let's be honest. Uh, we've worked with those fortune fifties and they, while they have, while they do make a lot of money, they don't typically spend that much more on the work that than anybody else does. I think it's a bit of a misnomer. I mean, except for when it comes to things like advertising, of course, mm-hmm. but the type of work that we do, which is strategic consultation, um, they um, don't pay that much more for that than some of the smaller brands. You, it's surprising. It's surprising. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and I, I mean, it kind of makes sense that way, but I think, you know, I guess where I was thinking is, you know, sometimes there's not always, but sometimes there's more security in, you know, when you have those kind of connections, yes, you know, like for sure might not be making a lot more, but you might get more frequent business, but yes, you know, really, for sure. really taking the step to the side and saying, we want to work with some of these other businesses and get really laser-like focused. What did that do for your business? Did that, you know, what did that do for your sense of excitement and working in your, yeah. in your company? Yeah. You know, at the time it was wonderful because there was a sense of purpose outside of a financial gain. And I think it makes it so much easier to wake up in the morning when you know that you, at least for me, I should say, it makes it so much easier for me to wake up in the morning when I can say, I get to help this person out of the, you know, this mom who's come up with a product for their kid because of an allergen or some, mm-hmm. you know, somebody who wants to um, manipulate or find different ways to um, strengthen the supply chain. And, and the fact that we get to participate in that is pretty dang awesome. Like that mm-hmm. is where the excitement is, especially since we get to be partners. They're absolutely experts at what they're doing. And we are absolutely experts at what we do. And it's when the two of us come together that the magic happens. And that's just, that's that's really what get gets me excited about the work that we do. It's really fun. A couple of years ago, I was um, a speaker at a conference for, it, it's the International Spa Association Conference. Ooh. And it was fabulous. And had I known what I know now, I would have stayed the entire conference <laughs> and paid the extra nights at the hotel because I got to go through their entire you know exhibit hall yeah. as long as I wanted. And not only were they like offering free massages and facials right. and all that oh stuff. Oh my gosh. But there were, I walked out of there with a suitcase full of stuff. I don't need any more samples of face cream for the next three years. Yeah, right. I got everything, right. (laughs) But I talked, um, I talked to a couple different companies that had created their own natural products. One gal that I did interview for my podcast who created these things called energy bits and they're Uh algae tablets. Yeah. And she did it because her sister um, had cancer and she was like, I'm going to help find a solution. And I love that interview. She'd actually been on shark tank too. So it was really fun to, to network with her, but another company that had another, um, 
health and wellness ingestible. And I remember talking to the CEO and I was like this, I'm really fascinated by what you're doing. And Mm -hmm. I said, you know, I just had the other gal on my podcast. Do you want to do it? She goes, sure. No. (laughs) And I said, Oh, why? And she goes, I don't like to talk. Oh my goodness. (laughs) And I, well, she knows. And I said, I go, I promise you, I won't make it painful. And so I've actually, you know, every once in a while, every couple, you know, every few months, I'll get a message from her. I'm still thinking about it. I'm like, whatever, whatever, if you want to. But it was interesting to me because I said, I did say to her, I said, you know, um, you don't have to be the one to do this, but you have a really interesting product and you're not going to get the reach that you want just being an exhibitor. Right in this kind of environment, you're going to have to do some publicity. You're going to have yeah. to talk about marketing and branding and, and yeah. those elements. And, um, it was interesting because I just kind of check up on her every once in a while yeah. just to see, you know, yeah. are, how are they doing as a company? Because yeah. that's when I, I think that a small company, you know, that really has a passion for what they're doing, they need experts yeah. to help them yeah. take those steps that they don't know how, or maybe don't want to take. Absolutely. Well, it's so interesting because I have interviewed a couple of people myself just recently about um, women mentorship and women and mentoring women leaders, particularly entrepreneurs. And what has come across consistently, and you might have identified too, is women um, want to make sure that they are the absolute expert at anything before they start promoting themselves. (laughs) <laughs> and and yep. men have a more, more self-confidence in that they can go, well, I can fake it. So then that works. And I, I'd love that. I'd love to be more like that. But I think women get stuck in this, in this mindset of um, self-doubt or um, self-criticism, I think. And, and that's probably where this particular woman is in her, in her journey right now. Yeah. And you're right. I mean, to, it, we hold ourselves back from our yeah. own success when we have something like that, that gets in our way. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, maybe na- later I will share your podcast information with her. Maybe she'll, uh, yeah, she'll maybe find some success. Who knows? If she can listen. Yeah. Tell her, you're going to listen to, listen to Diana. Yeah. She's got a couple of people that might inspire you. Exactly. I love it. Um, so tell me though, before you know, when, as you've been moving forward and you are seeing the space change, you talked about, you know, even the bigger companies now understand that they have to, they don't have to, but to be, you know, to continue to show that you're evolving and growing as a company, it is wise to have more products that are still aligned, maybe some organic, maybe some that are, you know, a little healthier mix. So, you know, you say that they're kind of coming to that. What, what are you seeing for trends with that? Are we, are we going to still see more, you know, coming out of companies like that and, and still understand where they fit next to the Cheetos? Yeah. So th- this is actually part of my secret squirrel mission of Gooder is bridging <laughs> that gap between the consumer that is completely invisible to um, the health and wellness industry and the uh, opposite end of the spectrum, because it's really a journey, right? You don't start mm-hmm. with, I'm eating Cheetos and you go to kale chips and kombucha. There's like, okay, now I go to baked and then now I try this. And then I, I, I try something that's not baked, but might taste like, and is healthier, but still tastes like that. Like there's this yeah. series um, and there are some really amazing, actually 
Frito-Lay, which is a, is a part of the PepsiCo family has, I spoke with um, Kira Dilly and that is her world. Her job is to create the bridge, knowing that adoption is going to take a certain period of time. So you start here and then, oops, excuse me, and then baked, this kind of concept of baked chips is going to take a person X number of years before they start going, okay, now I'm going to try this. And now, and you shorten the trial cycle as you get closer to the new way of living. So there's the the multinationals have, first of all, they have the scale and investment capital to be able to kind of test and try things at a rapid pace. Yeah. Um, they are, they have divisions. I spoke with somebody at Mondelez recently too. Coca-Cola has this, General Mills has this, these incubator um, parts of their business that are really designed to act, functionally act like their startups without having without this albatross of major operations behind them so they're they've, they're given realistic budgets but they have the expertise of the multinational fueling this innovation and so i think the bridge from you know the completely unhealthy to the completely natural diet is actually going to be bridged by the multinationals because mm -hmm. they're able they can finance it when you're a small startup it's very difficult to create something that has a a very bespoke features and benefits to it, um, very high cost of production, and yeah. then be able to sell it at a price that can meet the need of somebody who isn't quite ready to spend. Does that make sense? Right. right. And so that's really that's really what we're seeing. And the fact that there's um, desire there, frankly, I'm just noticing it right now. All of those kind of incubator. Um, or a parts of those multinationals, at least that I'm aware of, are run by women. And I, I wonder, really cool. I, I, I don't know if that's 100% true, but of the people that I know, they're all run by women. So I find that interesting because that's, and when I was speaking with Kira, and, and maybe I'll introduce the two of you, she said, um, the biggest way I can make an impact is rather than working with a small company to try to solve a big problem, I can work for a really large company and solve a bunch of small problems and yeah. have a greater impact at the end of the day. I've got, I've got the Titanic that can help me make a sizable change. So that's really, um, for me, it's so exciting to be able to, to elevate those women and share their stories and share what's actually happening behind the scenes. Yeah, I would, and I would never have thought of that, but it makes so much sense that you yep. have to take a lot of steps. As you were talking, I was thinking about my son. Uh, he's almost 30. Mm -hmm. He's almost uh, become, uh, he's almost finished his apprenticeship as an mm -hmm. electrician. Uh -huh. uh, you know, so he's at these, he's on the precipice of this next stage of life. And I yeah. just went and spent 10 days to take care of my grandkids so uh, mm -hmm. they, they could, they could oh. get away for a couple of days. And I was, I was packing lunches for my grandson to go yeah. to school. I'm opening the cupboards and I'm finding, you know, they had chips and things, but yeah. I'm like freeze dried apple slices, uh -huh. freeze, oh. you know, freeze dried mm -hmm. this and lots more raisins and things. And mm -hmm. I went, wait, what happened to my son? Yeah. It was the first thing. <laughs> but the second thing was, wow, these are really good choices. And I know these cost more yeah. for him to make this decision, but yeah. he's now finally realizing the difference that makes for his children. And, yeah. and it, 
it was a really poignant moment to go, wow. So when I, you know, before I left, of course I filled the freezer up with food and everything, but I went back <laughs> and I bought a ton of the freeze dried, all kinds of freeze dried fruits. Cause the kids love them. Yeah. And I knew that that's, you know, like that's a, a, a cost savings that I can give them for a little bit, you know, yeah. just one of those. Yeah. Well, you know, children have it, and this is true. This is true for any adult when we're looking at purchasing in, in, in home purchasing, having children is the opportunity for any brand to be able to enter into um, a consumer's life. Because when you have children, you start to say, oh, I'm, I'm an adult now and I want what's best for my child. And so while you may have been eating burgers and Cheetos, and I'm of course over-indexing on Cheetos, poor Cheetos. I love me a Cheeto, believe me, <laughs> don't get Cheetos. me wrong. Um, but, you know, all of a sudden it's like, oh, I've got to be the grown up, and, yeah. and I want what's best. And so suddenly the opportunity for new brands goes wide open at the moment of birth. And it's really something that we've talked about. I've talked about with a number of guests on, on my podcast is that there is an, a consumer that would never touch naturals and better for you or even consider being healthy until the minute that baby is in their lap and all of a sudden mm. they're willing to listen to anything and everybody that'll talk to them because yeah. it's a, I, I just kind of to go on your theme, it's an extension of love. It's a self-actualization of who you are. I want to be a good parent and my mm -hmm. definition of a good parent is blank. And therefore I want to be able to do whatever it is. And if that means eating less of this so that I can have an organic blank or buying less of that so that I can have fresh fruit on the table, then that's what I'm going to do. Yeah, I love it. Absolutely. Well, we're gonna take a quick break here from our sponsor this month and we will be right back. Are you tired of the time and expense of going to the salon for a mani-pedi? If so, Color Street is your answer. Base, color, and top coats are blended together in an incredible polished strip that you apply yourself. The result? A brilliant salon quality manicure in just minutes with no dry time, smudges, or streaks. These strips are 100% real nail polish, not stickers. They're flexible, can be gently stretched for a perfect fit, and last up to 10 days. I've been using them for months now and love the amazing selection of colors and styles, along with the ability to create my own unique manicure by mixing and matching. Shop today and support our sponsor, Betsy Roberts, by ordering at colorstreet.com backslash BH Roberts backslash party backslash 2095611. Again, that's colorstreet.com backslash BH Roberts backslash party backslash 2095611. Or simply click the link in our show notes. And we are back with Diana Frank, and uh, we have had, you just, I love learning new things. I just love, um, I love the, the perspective that you've talked about, especially, you know, thinking about the evolution of a product in a large company like the PepsiCo or the Frito-Lay. I know they're part mm -hmm. of the same company. Mm -hmm. um, and I actually grew up in Spokane, Washington, which oh, is you one did. of the, yeah, it's one of the hubs. Oh, you're in Seattle, aren't you? I'm in Seattle, girl. Yes. yes. So my son's in Seattle. So I was right there. Oh, okay. <laughs> And uh, so I grew up in Spokane is one of the, well, at least with PepsiCo is always one of the target markets where they yes. would 
you know, try new products and for lots of companies. So there were many times over the years that we would get new products and I would love them and then yeah. they would never come out. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well. Oh, well. What but our, our theme for the month is, as we were starting to get into, is yeah. leading with love. Yeah. And like I said in the beginning, I love right behind you, your your sign, your mm -hmm. photo that, you know, picture that says, be kind. Mm -hmm. And I really, I'm on this crazy mission to remind us all that the more that we try and operate from a place of love, caring yeah. and concern for each other, that yeah. we build better lives for ourselves, but we also build better workplaces. Right. And so I've been asking everybody, you know, what's your take on this? How, you know, how do you view love as a competitive advantage for us as mm -hmm. individuals and our businesses? Well, I don't know. I, I, you know, if I was to, as I'm thinking about it, love as a competitive advantage is for me, love is, um, is an act of is an act of giving and so in you know we can translate that in the reason why david and i have the business that we do and the reason why we work with the clients that we do is that this is our way of giving back we're not looking to take like the relationships that we're looking for where is where we can add immense value and the people, the relationships that we have with our clients are lifelong. Like we mm -hmm. still talk with people that, you know, we're project-based. We work with somebody for six months, a year, two years at the most, and then they're off run because we've made, we've created all these tools and plans for them and they're operating and they're firing on all cylinders. They don't need us. However, we know about their children years after the fact. They come into Seattle, they've come to visit us. We get occasional um, emails or photos. Hey, do you remember this thing? <laughs> that's really, that. that's what it's all about. And how does it benefit us in the long time? I'd say 50% of our business is referral. Mm -hmm. And and the, the referral always comes with the caveat of you can expect an ROI. Like when, mm -hmm. when we do the work that we do, it's quite rigorous and research backed. And so we're not just a, um, we're not just a, a, a culture type of firm. We are apt, you know, or um, uh, what does David call it? Um, oh, I can't remember now, but it, we're not about our personality. We're not about being the coolest. We're not about being anything other than delivering immense value. However, the reason why we get referrals is because people like us. Right. We've demonstrated that we care about their business, that it's not about our financial win, it's about whatever their win is. In some cases, it is financial. In other instances, it might be more eagle, ego or legacy. Um, sometimes mm -hmm. when we're working with founder owners, what's their legacy? What are they leaving behind for the greater community or, or for their family? So we, I think that, you know, in its simplest form that we're giving our gifts uh, which happen to be our strengths and weaknesses and, um, and our personalities, of course, uh, <laughs> of course. <laughs> um, that we're giving them away freely. And then it's just reciprocated back. Yeah. And I, I agree with that so much that, you know, when, when we give, we give of ourselves. Yeah. You know? So that makes it more personal. Yeah. And I, you know, there were times in my career where 
Um, I blurred the lines between, you know, friend and colleague. Yeah. Um, because, you know, especially in the beginning when you, you don't know about where to set those boundaries. Yeah. There was a time in my career when I went too far to keep so much separation between personal and professional. Yeah. And then there's that point where you find what you can truly show of yourself and you can truly yeah. be, but you can still operate professionally yeah. so much so that when people, you know, are interacting with anybody else, even years later, they'll go, oh, but you need to call them. Yeah. I mean, that I love them. I trust them. I, yeah. you know. Love and trust comes from that personal connection, not just an ROI or a job well done. Yeah, it, 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 we're human at the end of the day. Nobody, mm -hmm. nobody really wants to work with the jerk. I mean, some people <laughs> might, but <laughs> at the end of the day, why, why, why hurt yourself over over a relationship because of money, I, you know, it never lasts. That's really what it is, is it's just never lasts. It's temporary. You know, it's funny what you just said. I, that reminded me when you said nobody wants to work with a jerk. It's probably about 10 years ago, I was teaching, um, I was, you know, I was a VP of sales. And so I was teaching okay. a new sales presentation to some of my salespeople. Uh-huh. And I had this gal in, in the class and we had, you know, I didn't know everybody because we, I had like 500 people that reported to me Oh my goodness. and I had not met her and she was part of a new acquisition, but she was asking me about, um, about her leader, the person she reported to, who mm -hmm. was the audiologist in the, in the practice. And she said, she was kept asking these questions and I was, I was very confused. And finally I said, so do you work in a positive environment yeah. or not. And she goes, I don't think it's positive at all. Mm. And I go, so you have, you work in a negative environment. She goes, yes. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, then we need to fix that. And she goes, why? Yeah. <laughs> so by this time I've like, you know, we kind of had this conversation as we were coming back from break, you know, so it wasn't yeah. everybody around. Yeah. And she said, well, because she's, she's an amazing um, technician, clinician. And I go, okay, but does she yeah. yell at you? Yes. You know, does she harass you? Yes. Yeah. Then why would you want to work in that? She said, because she's an amazing clinician and I learned from her. And I, I remember just walking away going, wow, this is, this is very bizarre. We took steps to deal with the issue. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. We had to, but it was so unusual that mm. this person associated how good of a clinician was that person was and how successful she was and her mind was, if you want to be a jerk, then be a jerk. I'm still going to work with you just because I'm in awe of you. And I thought, wow, that's, you know, there, there may be people out there that, that choose to stay in those kind of working relationships yeah. because of whatever else they're looking for. Yeah. But, you know, and I, I also look at it this way by her, uh, this woman that you were working with, by her not stepping up and addressing the issue with the clinician, she's also doing a disservice to this clinician. She's not giving mm -hmm. this woman or man an opportunity to understand what yeah. their impact is, have an yeah. opportunity to make changes that would make them an even stronger clinician. Like, I think yeah. there's so much fear sometimes like, oh, this person is so smart and they're so powerful or they have yes. a lot of money. And so therefore they can behave the way they want maybe they don't want to behave that way, but nobody's ever really addressed it with them. And we don't have to be bullies about it. We don't have to go, you, you know, don't do this, you blah, blah, blah. But there are ways that you can 
and, and not everybody is fixable, so to speak, but if enough <laughs> people kind of tap on your shoulder and you're hearing this, like, I think that, that at oper- there are times that people don't know. They yeah, just don't absolutely. know. Um, absolutely. I don't know what the specific situation was in that, and it may not have been salvageable, but um, I, I think there's power in being able to tell somebody, hey, do you know that this is how you show up? Do you do you know that this is the impact that it has on me at the end of the day? And my commitment to you, therefore, is only X and blah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And in the end, it was salvageable. Oh, um, okay. And she did get better. It wasn't oh. great, but it was a lot better. But she, to your point, had no idea. She oh, had no really? idea that she came across as a raving you-know-what. <laughs> and... Uh, so, you know, we had to take, we, it, we took a long time. So her direct manager who reported to me, we did a lot of, you know, kind of step one, step two, yeah. how do you have yeah. the conversation? How yeah. do you have the conversation? So she doesn't yell at, you know, yeah. the other person in the room uh, yeah. when you walk out and we got him through it, but it was a really interesting journey because I'm we sure. basically, we, we had to work on the, on the clinician, but we had to reprogram her assistant. We had oh, to mm-hmm. get her to her to think through a different way yes. because otherwise what you can do is teach her to be the exact same way. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's so interesting how that just kind of waterfalls down. And I think again, going back to that, we have a pa- we have the power we're humans. We, and this, it, it can be better. It doesn't, mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be that way. Now it's hard, you know, it's not really everybody's responsibility, but it's certainly not nobody's responsibility. So where, where does that, you know, it takes yeah. a little bit of being brave. Mm-hmm. I agree. Mm-hmm. Gosh, it's, I, I love, I love our perspective here today because we've covered so many weird topics all across <laughs> the board. Hey, and I know Diana, we're going to have all your contact information on our show notes, but yeah. just in case somebody wants to look you up right now, cause they can't wait to find out more about who you are and what mm. you do, what's the best way for them to find you? You know, I, I am very active really on LinkedIn. My Oh, that my personal LinkedIn is D-I-A-N-A, last name, very unique, F-R-Y-C, that's me. Um, You can also find uh, The Gooder Podcast on LinkedIn, and my company, Retail Voodoo, is also on LinkedIn, and you can just kind of see all sorts of content that that we're sharing out there right now, but I respond pretty quickly through that channel. Excellent. I love it. So before we go, do you have any last words of wisdom or pearls of advice on anything for our listeners and viewers? Oh, man. <laughs> well, you know, since we're talking about love, we're talking mm. about love, mm. uh, we we're actually working on, um, we're working on something that I just touched on a little bit briefly earlier in our conversation. And that is that that everything that we do unconsciously is a self is an expression of is a, an expression of self um, of self. So mm-hmm. when you purchase something, when you buy something, when you say something, nobody ever nobody ever does these things actually without thinking. Nobody ever does these things necessarily thinking, okay, I am being loving or I am not being loving. When I am self-actualizing myself, if I'm taking my 
kid to a social engagement, or if I'm visiting, calling a friend on Zoom, or if I'm purchasing a product, or if I'm calling a former client, those are all self-actualizations of who I am, and they help me identify who I get to be. So a lot of the times, if people are going through the day, sometimes they're not necessarily being present. Um, I want to say that when you think about why, start thinking, getting present and thinking about why you're doing things. And then remember that love has to be given to yourself first. This is my, RuPaul mm -hmm. is one of my favorite, favorite, like if you can't love yourself, how the hell are you going to love anybody else? Amen. Amen. Um, so think about those things. If you are wanting to be a better salesperson, or if you're wanting to be a better jet skier, or if you're wanting to be a better parent, it's not necessarily tactics. It's not necessarily going out and doing the work. It's um, sometimes first looking inside and saying, what do I love about myself? Or what do I want to love about myself? And I think starting there will give a really good direction on everything else in your life. So that, well, it's not business necessarily related, but that it is. It is too, it absolutely can be. Yeah. You yeah. want to be a better leader. You want to be a better coworker, better colleague, you know, better employee. Yeah. There's a conscious choice you have to make in the process. Yeah. And again, it's focusing on, you know, who you are and what you want to be. And then, then the tactics or the skills will fall behind that. I agree. Diana, thank you so much. What a great conversation today. I'm so oh. happy that we've had you on. Yes. I, I really enjoyed myself. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us on another episode of the Shock Your Potential podcast. Learn more about us today at shockyourpotential.com, including details on Michael's two best-selling books. Tell me more, how to ask the right questions and get the most out of your employees, and sales mixology, why the most potent sales and customer experiences follow a recipe for success. Make sure to check out our Shock Your Potential app, on-demand professional training resources to help you excel in your career. And as always, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and like us today.